Hello and welcome to the best idea of all time, a podcast Hello. about the film Carol. A podcast where we watch the movie Carol every week, and this is week 11. Is it really? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I'm Laser. I'm Alice. And you're in Spain. You watched the movie in Spain. How is it in Spain? Um, it's cold and rainy in Spain. Okay. Um, I've been here for over a day now. I flew in yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm here for a work trip, so it's not really a vacation, but we kind of had a free day today. I got to walk around. I did I did a hashtag be your own Carol thing, yeah. which is that I'm been depressed and sad a lot lately. And so when I got here, I, I really kind of didn't want to go on this trip at all. Yeah. Um, and, but when I got here, I went and bought a designer purse at the luxury shopping mall that's right by the hotel I'm staying at. And it felt very be your own Carol to be, be upset about something and go spend a bunch of money like she does with the, the suitcase and the camera in the movie. Yeah, that's very true. That is something she does. I love that. Uh, I did not flirt with the shop girl because the woman who worked at the shop was seemed very put together and European, and I was very distraught and sweaty, so mm. I did not flirt with her, but maybe in the future. Perhaps. I just got really sleepy. Um, it's it's very late at night right now when we're recording, um, but that's that's, wonder- that's wonderful. I mean, my, my schedule is still all messed up. I'm in Scotland. We're both we're both abroad right now. That's true. Technically, you're abroad and I'm a non-binary, but we're making it happen. Um, Hilarious. Thank you. We got we got a, a, a women's international women's day shout out on Twitter from somebody. It was awesome. It was so fun. Thank you for the shout out yeah. on Twitter, everybody. We yes. really appreciate Please continue you. shouting us out on Twitter. Please tell your friends about our show. Tell your friends about our show. We really appreciate it. It's very nice. I watched the movie and this is going to sound like it's not on purpose, but it was muted this week because I've okay. memorized all of the dialogue. <laughs> um, and it was really interesting because I just looked at all the people who weren't talking. The most notable moment is like the, was the dinner when um, Carol goes to the tomato, tomato as- aspect lunch with Harge's family. And Harge is just sitting mm-hmm. there like a little boy that's being yelled at while everybody else is talking like he barely talks at all and he just kind of looks Mm -hmm. really scared and it made me just kind of think of like what because you never see him you know without our leading ladies like what do his parents say to him when carol isn't around like what kind of like control your woman garbage does he get you know not that i oh yeah um, it definitely feels like and he's... We know that his mother keeps him on a pretty tight leash because she kind of says, we're going to Florida for Christmas, and he's 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 picking up the kid and packing his bags that yeah. night. Yeah, he seems to have, like, no control, really, of his, his own life either, and maybe for him that's fine because the, it, it still gives him, con- you know, control and power, but it's still, like he's being judged from all angles and his dad is kind of the same. Like he barely speaks and like, doesn't have anything to, it's really interesting. The, mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I noticed, a Yale man, a Yale like man, your uncle, like your uncle. Um, the other thing I noticed, is that only line. <laughs> yeah. Um, <gasps> the other thing I noticed is that when we've may- maybe noticed this before, when they're decorating the tree, and Therese is putting together that like plate of tea that they're all going to have. 
Um, and Rindy yep. is like, is it blue? And they decorate the tree. There's there's yeah. this like tease set that Therese is putting together. And one of the mm-hmm. things that she gathers treats from is just a bowl of loose mints. It's like mm-hmm. unwrapped peppermints and candies. Oh, yeah. That's just open. It's like, what are wait, we? Wait, wait, wait. So <laughs> that was totally a thing. My When I would go visit my grandma, she would yeah. have a bowl of mints just sitting sitting out. Just candy just out. I guess. Okay. And a little crystal. That was absolutely a thing. Cool. You seem you seem dumbstruck by this. I am dumbstruck by it, but I don't I don't know why. I am though. Especially that she's like gathering things for like a little kind of meal that they're having, and then we're gonna have some mints with it. Here's the other thing I wrote I noticed this time is that right in between when they start sharing a bed and when they sleep together, or when they start sharing a room and they sleep together mm-hmm. on the road trip. Therese eats an apple in the car, which to me was very biblical. And I wondered what is in the letters from Richard. I would love to like get, I would love for us to write those. Like he's like writing Mm. like, oh, I miss you. And then it's like, oh, I hate you. Cause that seems like his kind of deal is like, I love you, but I don't actually love you. I just love the idea of you. This was actually, that was actually covered in the book. Um, There are multiple letters from Richard. I did quote one on the podcast before about how much he hated her and he was going to out her to all his, all their friends. Yes. I remember Uh, that. But there were, there were earlier letters as well, basically saying like, Hey, my mother's making a dress for you. Hey, are you still a lesbian? Hey, (laughs) do you love me? It's Uh, kind of exactly what you'd expect from those letters, but no, absolutely. Yeah. And the other person I noticed because I was just watching everything without listening to it was in the background of the hearing. You see her a few times and I've I've looked for her a few times, but it was easier to focus Mm. was the stenographer. Oh, yeah. And she's so upset. And by the end, she like looks like she's crying of of, like Uh after Carol's speech. About like, you know, that I don't I want visits. I don't care if they're supervised like she just this poor yeah. woman who's just like, what's happening in this room? Why is everybody being so mean to Carol? Anyway, how was your watch? Yeah. What did you notice? <laughs> My watch was good. Um, I really want to, and I think I'll do this once I'm home. I really want to edit the two bookend scenes in the mm. restaurant together. Mm-hmm. So they play simultaneously because I, th- I, I paid a lot of attention this time and I'm pretty sure the audio is exactly the same, but. I know the timing feels different, and I thought maybe one of the lines was different, but I don't think so. I'd just be curious. I'm wondering when they filmed that, if they knew that certain angles would be the start of the movie and certain angles would be different, and they tried to play it differently. Was it based on the timing of the scene? Because we've talked about how it's sort of like a power dynamic exists there where Therese is very much in control. And at the end of the movie, you see Carol really kind of floundering to try to impress her. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as, as soon as Jack shows up, Carol kind of reasserts dominance and is the cool, the cool distant woman again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really curious if they, when they were filming that, if they, if they differentiated those scenes at all, if it was all just different angles for the same scene. Yeah. That's a good question. It's a very good question. The other thing I wrote down in my notes this time was when Therese threw up after while well, she's with Abby in the car. Yeah. There's a really good throw up sound. And I was wondering <laughs> if that was Foley. Oh, I'm um, sure it I is. I watched the credits and and, and, it, and there was Foley done. So that's I'm good. guessing that's what, that's what it was. But I will say next time we watch, please pay attention to the throw up sound. It's very I good. I will. I will definitely watch 
Foley. Maybe I'll watch it in a different language so I can focus on the Foley. Um, That's true. That's true. I'm excited. I'm excited to check out the yeah. Foley on the Therese yeah. Vomit. Scene. I will I, I will also say I was so I'm on a workshop. I was at dinner with some coworkers and mm-hmm. they were gonna go like maybe get a drink somewhere after after dinner and I was like, I can't go. I have to go back to the hotel and watch Carol. <laughs> and then I had to explain the concept of our podcast to them, which I think is the first time I've done it to mm-hmm. a stranger or someone who wasn't already familiar with Worst Idea of All Time. Mm-hmm. And it sounds insane. <laughs> yes, it does. I mean, I think you've known this, but I guess this was probably the first time it was really occurring to me. Um, <laughs> no, I've explained it to a lot of people because I've met a lot of strangers recently. And they're like, wait, the same oh, movie? Oh, that's true. Yeah, you've been going on a lot of dates. Yeah. The same movie every week. Okay. Uh-huh. And then a lot of them... But it's a movie we like. Yeah. The people are... I mean, they just act like it's okay. But yeah, they're all very bewildered by what I'm doing. But then I tell them about how about my cool friend who has arcade machines in a cool house and makes video games in an incredible trans rights kitchen. And they're like, that person doesn't sound real either. And I'm like, well, you know, it's my whole life isn't real. So not, not only am I real, I'm single, ladies. Single. She's single. Um, <laughs> do we have a Carol Collection Corner before we introduce our exciting segment? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I don't have my camera on, so okay. you'll have to take my word for it. Okay. I guess I'll post a picture of this with the with the episode well i've been in spain i went to a bookstore and Ooh. i found a copy of carol labeled carol not the price of salt um translated into catalan which is a language that they speak in this region of spain that's amazing oh wow what's the cover look like the cover is a picture of Kate blanchett oh really from the movie i can tell you exactly where it's from because i've watched this movie 11 times it's the scene where where she's going to the custody hearing and she sees Therese um, mm-hmm. across the street and she's in a taxi and she's looking, she's looking at her longingly. Mm-hmm. She's got the hat on. Uh, it's very beautiful. If she does, I can't see it, but it, yeah. she's in a taxi and I'm pretty sure that's the only time she's in a taxi in the movie. Yeah. And, and, and I, I could find after scrolling through it, I could very quickly find flung out of space and some of the other, some of the other great lines like Waterloo. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> Amazing. That's so great even though they're in yeah. Spanish or Catalan. That's amazing. Yeah. How... So that's my Carol Collection Corner for the week. That's incredible. I wonder if there's like a localization of that book for Scotland. Probably not. There would be no reason for it, but I would. I, I want to check it out. I'm going to go look at some bookstores. Okay, speaking of books, are we ready? Yeah. Okay, we have an incredible interview this week. We spoke with Grace Ellis and Hannah Templer, who created a graphic novel called Flung Out of Space, inspired by the indecent adventures of Patricia Highsmith, which is incredible. It's kind it's of gorgeous. It's it's beautiful. It's kind of a biography and it's kind of a fictionalized account of Patricia Highsmith's life and her basic, you know, struggling with both trying to be a writer and she was she wrote comics. So it's about her mm-hmm struggling with being a comic writer and also struggling with being a lesbian and it is we talk about it in this interview so i hope you both check out this book because it comes out on april 19th and really enjoy this interview grace ellis is a name you may know because she is the creator of lumber chains as well as moonstruck and has worked on a lot of other incredible comics she's just amazing 
Uh, Hannah Templer draws incredible, incredible art. And has worked on things like Cosmonites and games and TTRPGs and all kinds of amazing comics for amazing things. You, you may recognize the art from Thirsty Sword Lesbians, if you, like me, are familiar with Thirsty Sword Lesbians. So yeah, really, really incredible, iconic queer creators creating this book. And go give it a pre-order. It's got a cat on the cover. And have a listen to this interview. Hello there, Grace Alice and Hannah Templer. Thank you for joining us on The Best Idea of All Time. How, are you, doing? How are you doing today? <laughs> Hi. Great. Excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. We'll start with you, Hannah. What was your intro to Carol? Oh, <laughs> gosh. Um, I actually, let me think. The f- so I actually came out as a lesbian pretty late in my life. So the first time I saw that movie was like really soon after I came out. I think it was maybe four, year, four years ago. Um, okay. And I watched it with my then partner. And yeah, it was super important to me. Obviously, the timing of it was great. I had no idea like what it was because I was raised like in a very sheltered environment and had never really like interacted with any sort of like queer or lesbian media before. So this was like one of the first things that I had interacted with. I saw the movie first and I didn't know what it was like totally blind, just came into it and, you know, bald like a baby, of course. But that was my introduction to this. This was, yeah, again, like four or five years ago. So, yeah. Incredible. <laughs> how about you, Grace? Yeah. How did how did Carol come into your life? I think that I read it for the first time. Oh, OK. When I was in college, I took I took a class on what was it? I think it was lesbian history. It might've been lesbian culture though. Um, Mm. Which like you see that pop up in the course listings and you're just like, you have to jump on it. That's so wild. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was quite a time. Um, But I saw, I saw the movie in theaters and my strongest memory from that experience besides just like knowing that I was going to watch it many times after that was when when I was leaving, um, there were these two dudes leaving in front of me and they were so perplexed they then this is we we worked this into into our book too yeah one of them literally one of them literally said what was that even about like they they did they literally could not even understand like literally what had happened in that movie and i it it like kills me but it's hilarious yeah (laughs) amazing what was the experience like reading the book before you saw the movie it was interesting. It's a really, really good adaptation. Um, I think that yes. Phyllis Naj recently learned how to say her name. She is a genius. Um, oh, hey. Yeah. The book is so personal that I, I feel embarrassed when I read it because it's so just like Patricia Highsmith's entire soul, including all of the parts where it's like, yeah. oh, I don't. Well, I don't need to know all of, yeah. all of your mommy issues, but thank you. Yeah, a lot of mommy stuff. <laughs> a lot of yeah. mommy stuff in that. Um, that is kind of just, in the just movie. Just vivid but descriptions like, of milk. So much like yeah. hot yeah. milk. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> but it was it was interesting. I I mean, as like a writer, like watching watching a movie after I've read the book is always interesting because of, I'm so interested in adaptations just in general. So there's like this top layer of just like the technical interest that's always going to be there for me for something like that but I mean it's such a such a rich movie just in general that like it's it's impossible to not just get lost in it I think 
Cape Blanchett, you know, oh, get absolutely. lost in Cape Blanchett's I mean, well, that's beautiful the thing. face. <laughs> so, so I, I like I launched into this world, Kate Blanchett first, you know, um, <laughs> not like this with any anything else. Um, so it's very interesting to me to talk to somebody who knew actually knew what they were what this movie was even about <laughs> when you go into. So I mean, apparently you can make it through the whole movie uh, without knowing. Interestingly, people seem to be having similar it's... reactions to Lost Daughter, which I am fascinated by. Anyway. That's off topic. Oh, I think it's something about it, just like women's stories. People are just like, mm-hmm. I, what, what <laughs> is that? <laughs> this is something. This is something I found when I was researching. I was researching for today's interview. The screenwriter Phyllis. How Phyllis did you pronounce Naj. her name, Hannah? Phyllis yeah, Naj. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes, my apologies. <laughs> yes, Phyllis Naj uh, said that she didn't think it was a problem with the fact that there were gay women getting the movie made. It was the fact that there were just two women at all. Yeah, I think which is wild to me. I think that's probably true. I. It's just a weird, weirdly uphill climb still for something like that. But mm-hmm. I think that it's changing for the better every day. Hopefully. <laughs> so you obviously have, have written this whole book about Patricia Highsmith. Now you, you both have created this graphic novel biography. Is that a way to describe it? Or I think that's fine. We, yeah, <laughs> a lot okay, of great. people have come down that. on us about the word biography. <laughs> We've gone around uh-huh. and around on this so many okay. times because it's, it's fictionalized. Interesting. Because it's not yeah. literally oh, okay. true. So yes, it's a graphic historical well, I'm novel. very excited. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, so, so I guess my question is, tell me about your relationship with Patricia. <laughs> why did you, why did you want to write this book? <laughs> Do you want to tackle that one first, Hannah? You go first. You go first. Okay. <laughs> I think that's fair that you've passed it back to me. <laughs> okay. So Patricia Highsmith is a very terrible person, just an out and out terrible person. Yes. In some ways, in a fun, in a fun way sometimes, but then other times in a very deeply unfun way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not that you have to like, make peace with both of those things. You just have to keep both of those things in mind. Right. I have so much respect for her as a writer. Um, I think she's one of the great American writers. I think that is pretty much just a fact as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely, Carol is a huge part of that. But her, her other work is also, it's just like so particularly lush and meticulous that it's... I, I, I just, I love it. But I do think that when you're, when you're talking about Patricia Highsmith or thinking about her, that both of those things, she is a great writer, she is a terrible person, have to coexist together. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I don't think that you have to like make peace with it as much as you just like have to remember it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Absolutely. where I am with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, so what made you want to write what spend time with her (laughs) oh yeah go ahead hannah please oh i was just gonna add on that like a little bit about because i have like similar feelings on it the thing that was like challenging for me is i felt like i share i mean i think a lot of people obviously feel this way especially after reading our book but like a lot of shared experiences with patricia and like a really deep connection a lot of ways and obviously that can be kind of like difficult to navigate, especially because she's such a controversial figure. So just trying to like 
balance my feelings about like, wow, this is someone who like really struggled with like their sexuality and their presentation and like navigating the world as like a queer person in many of the same ways that I did, but also made like very terrible decisions and like sort of trying to navigate that and like feeling very deeply connected. Like I got very, very emotional looking at historical photos of her a lot, which I would dig up for like art reference. And it was like definitely just a very fraught experience for me trying to figure out like how I felt about the book and connecting with someone who like historically like experiencing queerness like in a historic through a historical lens especially through the 50s was also like a really just like powerful thing for me I guess so oh okay I was gonna say what struck me about reading I I, I mean I primarily just read her Wikipedia and a couple of profiles of her uh today how much of her story seems like it still could just happen today as it is yes and how much like she wasn't <laughs> inhibited necessarily for being even like openly queer if not like out out at least like admitting it to it socially with her with her friends and being in relationships she she cycled through so many relationships with different women <laughs> and men and just it felt so like modern in a way, in a way that I think I tend to think of stories of that time as being very American nuclear family. Yeah. Um, and not being like this to know that someone could live a, a very full life and not just be like at home repressed is really interesting. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that's kind of the energy that she brought to Carol really is this mm -hmm. like on it's, it's something that it, it's something that I see myself in. Um, my coming out experience was kind of like that, where I just kind of like started doing gay things and being like, I guess everyone <laughs> knows now, um, without ever having any, any real conversation with anyone about it. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I, I understood that on like a very instinctual level. Um, but I yeah. think that that kind of openness and just like, a devil may care attitude, I guess you would say is kind of like the the energy behind carol where it's like this is going to happen whether you want it to or not i guess mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely yeah so when you i imagine writing this book threw you down a, a path of a lot of research and stuff Did, was there stuff that you learned that you found interesting about patricia and the creation of price of salt and hannah smiling <laughs> there's so much <laughs> there's so much on the cutting room floor for this book it could have yeah. been easily like 600 oh, pages yes. long <laughs> give us all the the juicy details okay do you do you have any that like jump to mind hannah um i i mean there's a lot of stories the stories that you'll read online are the ones that like obviously are the weirdest um there's like <laughs> Like, there's all these stories about her with animals and her, like, very... She has, like, a very distinct relationship with, like, her work and with animals. And those are the things that also hit me. I was like, wow. In a lot of ways, like... What, okay, what do you oh, mean? Oh, yes. Let Is me expand on it. Yes, the snails. So. <laughs> okay, please. Um, okay, so Grace, correct me on my facts here because I want to make sure I'm factually correct. But she loved animals, specifically kept pet snails. And there's a story, I don't remember what geographic location this happened. In, it was somewhere in she, Europe. Yeah, like somewhere in sure. Europe. Yeah. Where she showed up to a party with a handbag with a head of lettuce in it for all the snails that she also had in the handbag. <laughs> so she, and she used to smuggle snails in her bra, 
Like, I think when she went to France, she snuggled a bunch of snails in her bra. I I read read earlier that she had to, because snails were illegal in France, she smuggled 10 under each each breast. Yes, (laughs) it's incredible. Um, I bring that up to say, what I find interesting about it is the way she greatly preferred the company of animals to people, and she talked about that a lot. Like, she just wanted to do her work and be left alone and hang out with her cat and her snails and, like, all these different animals. Which is very relatable. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you if you yeah. haven't read, um, yeah, her, I think it's a short story collection. Yeah, yeah, it must be. She wrote a, a book called "The Animal Lover's Guide to Beastly Murder." Um, it's it's a it's a fun oh, one. Quintessential. Yeah. Like what an incredible title. Her her titles are either like yeah. ten out of ten or like one out of ten. Like all of them, they're either like incredible or like what does that mean? What does the price of salt mean? Pat, what does that mean? <laughs> I've read I've read the answer like 300 times and I'm still not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. like hashtag deep of her. I buy into it only because it's so thematic to the work, if not actually in the text. Like it's one of those things where it's like I had to look it up afterward after I read the book. But I do feel like once I heard the explanation that the price of salt is the is the, the price you pay to experience the flavor of life, which is lesbianism that's actually in the story that's actually coming out and it was it was so interesting because earlier we were talking about um her life versus today and i was thinking salt still has a price today it's a lot it's a much smaller price than i think it used to be but it's still it still costs you to be out as a queer person yeah i think that's definitely true i think there probably was a better title though <laughs> I have a very adversarial relationship with this woman now, so. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't imagine. Grace, what are do do you have more stories that either were got in or not into your book about? Okay, so many. Mm-hmm. Here's the one that jumped to mind though. So, mm-hmm. a big part of this book is Patricia Highsmith signing up for conversion therapy. She put mm-hmm. herself oh. into conversion therapy. Um, oh okay. Yeah which is like a, such a brutal thing to do to yourself. And that like yeah. that, that's, that's what hooked me into this story was mm-hmm. the fact that she wrote comic books and the fact that she put herself into conversion therapy. And those experiences directly led her to writing The Price of Salt. Um, she had a couple therapists. The first one she was just like full on in love with, which like is so classic. There are so many stories of like... <laughs> There's this other book called My Autobiography of Carson McCullers that I completely recommend. And in reading, Carson McCullers was also a writer, a lesbian writer in New York at the same time as Patricia Highsmith. Carson McCullers also had a gigantic, like, love relationship with her therapist. I don't know. It's just, like, something about, like, lesbian writers just want someone to listen to them. I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Pat was like in love with this therapist. And after she, the, cause the, the department store scene in Carol really, that happened. Pat really saw this okay. beautiful woman and like fantasized about their life together. She also like stalked her at later. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a whole, whole situation. Anyway. So after that happens, she is like sick, not, like lovesick, like actually physically sick. So she gets on the subway and goes to her therapist's house and is like, please take care of my mommy. And the therapist (laughs) is like, what is this? Who are you? Please leave. So she went home and was just like very, very sick with the chicken pox for like Mm -hmm. weeks after that. 
Oh, so I was gosh. thinking about that story. I wish we could. I wish we could have put that in. But it's it's one of those things where a lot oh. of the things that were they were too zany. They were mm-hmm, too zany mm-hmm. for a book of this length. But mm-hmm. it's a real wild ride. The thing that did make it into the book that it that I always found really interesting is there's like a chart of her mm-hmm. like partners that she kept oh, where she'd like yes. rate them but like on a scale that she had invented and like the number the numbering is not clear but there's like stuff like you know where they like I think it's like are they like light-haired or dark-haired and then like where they I don't remember all the like there are many columns yeah many different criteria that but then she she kept this like meticulous chart and it's just it's a lot it's so it's much to take in. My favorite, my favorite column is um, why why they stopped sleeping together, yes, and most right. of them are because oh. I am unfeeling. Yeah, yeah, she's <laughs> very yeah. down on herself. Oh yeah, and then underneath the chart, I think the line is like, "I lack sympathy." Is uh, that what that's what wrote? it is. Yeah, because I lack yeah. sympathy. Yeah, because I lack sympathy. <laughs> because I make a chart about my lovers and put the, rate them. Oh my god, so close to self awareness. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Patricia. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, God. See, that's the sentence that we have found ourselves saying so many times over the years. Oh, Patricia. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I, I'll admit, I do not, I did not know all of this, and I am yeah. fascinated. Um, oh, she's I'm fascinating. Curious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How long have you been working on, the, on this project? Well, think, Grace longer. Grace, Grace starts first. I think that. <laughs> yeah. The like, to use a Patricia word, the germ of the idea has kind of been around for like five years or so. Mm-hmm. It oh, maybe wow. even yeah. longer now. Yeah, it it came around. Okay, I'll tell this story. It's like not that interesting, but I'll tell it any, anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I, I saw I saw this play that I really loved. Um, it's called Indecent. It's by Paul Vogel. Phenomenal play. It's about the story. It's the story of the first lesbian kiss on Broadway. It's oh, a wow. really beautiful show. It's so sad, but really, really wonderful. So I, and I got home and I was like, I like really want to adapt this for a comic. And within like five minutes, I just completely threw that idea away because part of what makes that play so good is the fact that it's on stage. It's great. I can't improve on that. So I was like, what is, I I need to find like a secret lesbian history in comics basically. And I certainly there is one because you can't turn around without running into a lesbian somewhere in history. (laughs) <laughs> so I and I remembered remembered thinking that Patricia Highsmith like read there's like one line in her Wikipedia page about how, how she wrote comics so I started mm-hmm. digging into it and found that she like actually really hated the fact that she wrote comics and was super mm-hmm. embarrassed and she signed up for conversion therapy she hated so, everything about herself that's yes so exactly mm-hmm. and yes. that's the parallel that kind of <laughs> yeah. like pushed me into this was that mm-hmm. it seemed really like narratively strong yeah, and I came on after this, like, or I guess when it was like a seed of an idea and was like picked up and then tested for the art, Grace like reached out to me and was like, I really want you on this book. And I was like, great, let's do it. And it was, the, I mean, it was like the perfect fit because again, yes. like everything I was going through personally and like Grace and I, I think actually like bonded over a lot of the stuff too, just is like very meaningful in my journey as like a lesbian. So it was great, really good experience. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
It feels oh like God, an accident review. What did, what did you like oh. about it? What worked? <laughs> what do you like about each other? No, I'm kidding. Don't 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 answer that. Don't answer oh. that. <laughs> Hannah, I'm really curious. What what did you use for for reference material to 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 capture both the, the yes. time period and 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 Patricia Highsmith herself and 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 all of that? I love doing this. It was really really interesting to do all the research. It's funny. I think I've talked about this before, but it's interesting how similar the process ends up being to like my sci-fi graphic novels where like you end up having to go through all the same steps. It's very like, it's a very contained world that I'm creating, whether it's like in space or mm -hmm. in the 50s, like you go through all the same things, which is interesting. I obviously, the movie is a very good historically accurate adaptation. So that was really helpful in a lot of ways for a lot of the like set pieces. I did a lot of research on like 50s fashion. I have a bunch of books on it. Also 50s interior design, which was really fun. Actually, I picked up all these like better homes and housekeeping like old catalogs and kind of pulled furniture Fun. out of those um and then there's a, a huge archive of uh like photos of patricia that are along with like her diaries in switzerland at the oh i'm forgetting the name of the museum it's like the swiss literary archives i think that sounds right there's like all the photos are available online, but they're tiny and have watermarks. So I like Ooh. downloaded all these like tiny little images and then was just like going through them. <laughs> and I mentioned it earlier, but like actually quite emotional to see like photos of this person who was like very like has lesbian energy. And like, I know that yeah. just oh, from absolutely. like looking like you can just like, I feel it. And I was like, oh, like, look at you, like in the 60s and 70s, like just being so gay. <laughs> but like, it's, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's complicated. It has a lot of complicated emotions. Um, but that was part of the research. I listened to The Price of Salt on audiobook, like I think four or five times while I was working too, just, oh, wow. Wow. just to listen to something and also to kind of like, get more details and like enrich my interpretation of it so yeah a lot of a lot of research went in um i try to do like a lot of research before i even touch drawing comic pages too and make sure like i just i'm really in the like headspace of the time and place um it's really fun that part's fun that's awesome. Actually, it was a question I wanted to ask both of you, but Grace, like, how does this relate, if this is not an annoying question, to the other comics projects? You're right. Like, is it, you have written very different books before. Like, is how, what, what is it like writing this as compared to writing more, I guess, mo even more fictional kind of things and things <laughs> that are YA or superhero or like more <laughs> fantasy kind of things? <laughs> Well, this definitely required more research, um, mm -hmm. sure. but I I love to do research. It takes very little for me to fall down a research hole, but I don't know. I feel like the like actual process of it wasn't that different. Like the figuring out the structure was similar. I like laid it out, laid the beats out in the same way I would lay out the beats for, you know, Lumberjanes or Moonstruck or something. I think that the, the biggest difference was that it's technically kind of like an adaptation of reality in some ways. So what I found really useful was to tell people the story. So I told like baristas, my hairdresser, lift drivers, <laughs> everyone who I could like, like corner, told them the story that happens in this book and got their reactions to it based on the way they were reacting would like emphasize certain parts and like would make a mental note. 
that like these are the things that really work. People don't really care about this part, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. It's a lot harder to do that when you're writing something fictional just because like, I don't know, I, it feels oh, yeah. it feels like like it's too fluid, you know, like the the, the story isn't as right. concrete. Um, but this uh, since it's a story that mm -hmm. really happened, it's a lot easier to just like and when you're when you're telling when you're telling someone a story, you you cut out things that you feel like you don't have time to tell. And that was really, really oh, yeah. useful as well. Because so we, what we ended up with was this really streamlined book that has like very, there's no, no chaff in that book at all. It's just like, you just gun straight through it yeah. in terms of like, the, like the actual <laughs> like narrative of the story. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really proud of it. I think it turned out really well. Yeah. I feel very haunted by Patricia. And I like that too. <laughs> um, so one of the things that has been going through this project is, so we've watched the film um, several times now. We're watching it every week <laughs> and we're trying to do some investigative work behind the scenes on the movie. For example, you've probably noticed the stolen Kate Beaton art in the, in the movie. Do you know about no. the, the Waterloo, Iowa sign? The Waterloo, Iowa sign. Okay, so in the in the scene where they go to Waterloo, oh, Iowa, they, there's a shot of them driving into town. Uh -huh. Yes, and the sign is a is a drawing of Napoleon, which is a hundred percent a Kate Beaton drawing. What? Yeah, I did not know definitely that. Yeah, I can, I can, I can picture our, it. Yeah, what our our thought or our our research has done is basically somebody looked at this and then made something way too close to the reference that they were supposed to do. But Kate looked at it and said, yep, that's mine. But nobody ever contacted me about it. Anyway, we have a lot of research into this movie. <laughs> I think my question for you is, what do you know about the character Carrie Brownstein plays? Oh, God. <laughs> Literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's such a mystery to us. What, who is she? Where is she from? Is she a time traveler? What is she supposed to mean? And she's in the book, yes? Yeah, she's she's in the book as Genevieve Cant Crenell. Mm -hmm. It's it's basically the same scene. It's it's transposed from being a party a party from that are the McElroys are holding to a, like a party where she's a famous actress and everyone's kind of fawning over her, but it's very similar. They have like a meet cute where they they lock eyes across the room. They can tell that they are both queer women. And and yeah, so so like it felt like it, it felt like it was in the same spirit of it, but the, but the the, mo the movie version is just so condensed. Yeah, we're very confused about it, and we were wondering if you have any insight. <laughs> well, I feel like the narrative. I mean, I can tell you about what I think, like story wise, but I don't have any like particular. Yeah, yeah, sure, please. please. Okay, so I think story wise, the whole insight, the, yeah, the the only purpose of that scene is really to emphasize the fact that she's not just gay she's in love with carol specifically even if mm -hmm. even if uh -huh. she like happens to find another queer person she's it's she's not as interested you know because like once carol's in your life yeah how can how can anything possibly measure up to that you know so i think that since that's kind of like uh -huh. the only the only thing that needs to happen in that scene it comes and goes so fast that it just feels yeah. really strange yeah. and carrie brownstein is a very strange presence in that movie just in general Yes, <laughs> it's so strange. And our first guest, Paul F. Tompkins, noted that it is incredible how highly billed she is on the movie. Yeah. Like she's like <laughs> in the opening credits for being in the movie only in the last whatever four minutes. Yeah, she has. Pro she probably has less than a minute of screen time. Yeah, but she has an amazing um, agent. It seems like she's going to be the third <laughs> star. 
Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, throughout the year, our intention is to watch this movie 52 times. I think that outside of people who worked on the film, maybe the director, we're probably going to be some of the people who have seen the movie the most in the world. I, yeah, I mean, point, I think a lot of people point. watch this movie a lot. I wouldn't be fair. Yes. But yeah. But, but but both of you, I assume, have watched it multiple times. I'm curious. Do you have a favorite part of the movie? Do you have anything specific that, that, that really jumps out to you? Oh, man. I mean, I, I can go. Yeah, please do. Please do. The I mean, the glove lunch. <laughs> like, oh, that, so is, the glove that lunch. is, it's like, incredible. it's incredible. It is the most, like, lesbian tactic. <laughs> Just, like, everything yes. about it. Like, very, like, I love how, like, Carol is characterized in that scene, too, where it's, like, a very, like, is she, isn't she? Like, it's just so gay. Like, everything about it. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. she's, just, she's just being so, like, analytical and, like, really, mm -hmm. they're, they're both, they're playing, they're both playing different chess games. It's great. I love it. Yes. It's, you know? it's yeah. so yes, absolutely. real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very strategic and very uh, clear. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a good one. Mm-hmm. Grace, do you have a favorite part? I mean, when when Carol turns around and says, "I like the hat," it just like, I it just kills me. <laughs> it's just so good. Oh, come on, just in case you weren't sure that this was this was totally yeah, totally right. gay. Yeah, mm -hmm. if you thought you were gonna make it through this movie, the, alive, those two dudes were probably. I, I'm still sure confused. that they were. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that as a sequel to Harold with her lesbians. Just like what was that movie even about? <laughs> Very good. Incredible. Incredible. Um well, uh, I have one last question. Please. So my last question is again, as someone who has immersed yourself in the world of Patricia Highsmith and the movie Carol, we're we're still early in the year as we record this. We've only done up by like eight, nine weeks of of this. We have another forty weeks to go. Do you have any advice for us? About, oh, yeah. about how to survive in, in the world of Patricia Highsmith. Okay, so... <laughs> the, <laughs> the woman who was supposed to write the afterword for our book, Joan Shankar, mm. was Pat's official biographer. Unfortunately, she passed away, like, as mm -hmm. she was writing our afterword. Like, very suddenly. It was really sad. But before, before we brought her onto the project, I watched this lecture she did. And at this lecture, she busted out this pair of jeans that Patricia Highsmith had owned. And like she, somebody had given her these jeans as her official biographer. And she spent like 20 minutes going over every stitch of the jeans. And it is crazed. She, she just has this like very like Pepe Sylvia look in her eye as she's like gesturing to all of the little, the smallest minute details of the jeans. And when I saw that, I said, oh, no, that's going to be me by the end of this. And it was. So <laughs> I feel like my advice oh, for no. you is to be yes. careful, because once you're in Highsmith country, you can't leave. It's addictive. There's just so <laughs> much to know. And some of it is just like mm -hmm. unknowable, oh, no. even oh. as you're knowing it. So she's got this mm -hmm. like. That's acidic charisma that just like burns you, but you can't turn away. So be careful. That's a great <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> yeah, we are in a very specific, just like very parallel track where Alice is buying every prop from the movie Carol. Mm. It's 
a dangerous it's a very dangerous path but yeah it sounds like patricia just has that effect on people Mm -hmm. as does carol as does the film carol so there you go (laughs) thank you both so much well congratulations i absolutely cannot wait to read it i'm sure we will be doing a very long book report once we do yes because obviously we're totally obsessed so thank you both so much for coming on the podcast and i hope you have a really great day yeah thanks for having us yeah thank you so yeah thank you so much to grace and hannah for 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 sitting down to an interview with us they gave us an advanced copy of the book and good it's incredible. It's the art is gorgeous. It's the the storytelling is impeccable. It is so like gripping. I, I only had a little bit of time to read it before this recording, and I I fled through fifty pages just because I was just like, it's just incredible. I'm so excited to get the print copy. Yeah, it's going to be coming out pretty soon, and and really really dig into it. It's it's so fascinating it's amazing um i i shout out to biz michael on twitter by the way who gave us a heads up that this is coming out but this book it's it gives a really good perspective on carol the film obviously and the and the book the price of salt and how that book came to pass and how much of it is well obviously this graphic novel is not completely um it's slightly fictionalized, but a lot of it is real and like how how much came from Patricia Highsmith's real life. And she's a very problematic character in her struggle with herself and really ties into Carol. So really, really amazing thing for us to read as people who are scholars mm-hmm. of this text, I guess. But also just like really, really interesting real person that I definitely recommend checking out because it's great. Absolutely. Please, please check this out. If you if you like our podcast or like the movie Carol, you have to get this book. Flung out Cannot of space. recommend it enough. Flung out of space is what it is called. So check it directly out. Alice, do you have anything else you want to talk about today? Because I wrote down some very good quotes that I wanted to pitch as our outro today. I will say one other thing I thought about is I was thinking a little bit about the differences between the book and the movie. And like adaptations in general. Yes. Um, I think I think reading the reading the comic, which is like an adaptation of Phil Phil Highsmith's life, is mm-hmm. part of that. The end scene in the movie mm-hmm. is so like beautiful and touching. At the where, club and and the Oak Room. Yeah, and and in the book, it's literally one sentence, which I think is like Therese walked toward her, and like. That's that that scene that that's that as one sentence that's great because it's like so much it's so hopeful and great but really seeing it seeing them look at each other from across the room and that look in their eyes and the, the the glow in their eyes really like brings it to another level and I think if nothing else that like an adaptation like this like I think this this book this movie got the so much about the book adapted really well and, and really effectively mm-hmm. even in the parts where they're condensing or removing stuff from the book but mm-hmm. that ending scene is so in, in, just incredibly well done and really justifies the whole thing absolutely yeah it's a beautiful happy ending which is nice you know in in our carol too i'm sure there's a lot of conflicts involving how many dolls they collect or whatever <laughs> but <laughs> as this is a standalone story it is absolutely gorgeous yeah i guess my question for you alice was have you been thinking more about europe I guess I have. Okay. I have been thinking more about Europe. We're, I mean, I'm in Europe. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. That was my pitch for an uh, end quote because I love it. And he and she get, and Therese gets so huffy when Richard asks it. 
been singing more about you. I love that she she doesn't even say anything. She just walks away faster. And he's walking his stupid bicycle. A stupid uh-huh. jerk. It was silly. And she has her wrapped vinyl. Uh-huh. I have to say, I love this movie. I really, I still enjoy watching it. I had a really hard day today. I had to cancel most of the stuff I was supposed to do because I just wasn't feeling up to it. <laughs> but I knew that I could yeah. watch the movie Carol and I could talk to you. And those were things that I would be able to get through. So thank you, Carol. Thank you, everybody involved in the film, Carol. We have put out a lot of asks to guests coming up, which I'm very excited about. Hopefully we'll get yep. all the people we want. If we get all the people we want, we will be very excited. Even if we don't, the people we do have are very exciting. So thank you for listening. Thanks again to Grace and Hannah and Ellis, as we say every week. Have you been thinking more about Europe? <gasps> have you been thinking more about Europe? Living for you is easy living. It's easy to live when you're in love. And I'm so there's nothing in life but you. The Best Idea of All Time is hosted by Laser and Alice. Our theme song is Easy Living, as performed by Flowerlinks. Find more information about them in our show notes. This week, the show is edited by Aubrey Turner. And as our friend Tim Bat says, Everyone should go to bestidea.gay. And if you have thoughts about the podcast, you can email us at Ask me. Thanks. at bestidea.gay. If you like the show, you can leave a five-star review for us on Apple Podcasts. Please. The Best Idea of All Time will return next week. All right, we did it. We did it. USA.